I'm Scott Prather. Happy MLK Day coming to you the morning after. The end of an era. The New Orleans Saints season is over. For the fourth consecutive year, the New Orleans Saints season ends in disappointing and emotional. Now, the last four years when the season ends, each one has felt a little different. Four years ago, it was shock, the Minneapolis miracle. Three years ago, it was, I don't know, anger, denial. After the non-call last year, it was, hey, you just got beat. Today, it feels a little different. And I know that I don't. I don't speak for every Saints fan. I know that I don't. I, I'm only speaking for myself and others that have reached out to me to share their thoughts. But I, the the overwhelming feedback that I've gotten from those that I know, whether it be a listener or a friend that follows this team closely, is. Sad that the season's over and that Breeze's career is over, even though he hasn't officially announced he's going to retire yet. All signs, all reports, all you had to do is pay attention to what was happening yesterday and after last night's game suggest he is. But at peace, that's kind of how many feel about it. Sad, but at peace with it. Because the reality is, if you've ever watched a boxer late in his career, just not have it anymore. Or a fighter. When you watch an all-time great go out and compete in a sport, and it is very clear that they simply just don't have it. And that's Drew Brees, guys. That's Drew Brees. I know that he says he's going to kind of let it soak in and, and, and make a decision and keep it to himself, but that's it. That's it. And and his teammates wouldn't really say much, and Sean Payton would say, you know, that's, that's something else. He hadn't made a decision yet, but a lot of them, not Kamara, but a lot of them would say, but here's what he means to me, you know, I believe that was Breeze's final game, and he didn't get the career send-off that many Saints fans had wanted, like an Elway or a Peyton, gotten, Peyton Manning got. In fact, it was the opposite. He couldn't throw the ball down the field. They turned it over four times, and the only deep pass was thrown by a backup quarterback. He couldn't even connect with Michael Thomas, who caught as many passes yesterday as I did. And while there is blame to go around for the Saints' loss yesterday – Jared Cook was was bad. Michael Thomas was was bad. He was abysmal. Drew Brees wasn't great. Let's be real. It became clear watching that game, if it wasn't already, that it just isn't. You knew that, that, that this was the last ride. And Drew can say whatever he wants. 
staying in after the game late with his family on the field, throwing the football around the Superdome, turn the lights off. Then they turned him back on just so he could stay longer. He left at 11 o'clock last night trying to soak it all in. Tom Brady goes out on the field afterwards, has a word with him. They visit. It was like the last scene before the closing credits of a real-life movie. His career is over. The Saints season is over. An era of Saints football, the best era of Saints football, is over. It's over. And while we have a while to unpack what happened yesterday, the reality is it's the end of an era. Credit to Tampa Bay. Bucks defense said, we're going to play man. We're not playing zone. We're going to play man. We're going to press. You don't have Latavius Murray. You don't have Taysom Hill. We got the top-ranked run defense in the league. We don't think you can get it down the field. You know, you can win with some dinks and dunks and five to ten-yard passes and slants and running the football if you have a really good defense. You can win like that. You can win a lot of games like that. The Saints have, but what you can't do is turn it over a bunch. Heck, they turned it over. They were minus one, led directly to seven points. They're still up 20-13 to 13 midway through the third quarter. They've got all the momentum in the world. Antoine Winfield Jr. made the biggest play of the game, strips Jerry Cook. There's some players that when they catch the ball – if you're watching the game, you are saying out loud, not that they can hear you, don't fumble, don't fumble, don't fumble. You know you know those players. I was, I do that with Jared Cook. I was doing it yesterday. Fumble. They take advantage, go down, score, tie it up, and then it just felt like, uh-oh. All the momentum shifted. All the momentum shifted. A career isn't defined by a game, but it was an awful way to end a great career. And in a moment, in the moment, as I was talking with several that cover this team before the playoffs even started, if they lose in the playoffs, the season is a failure in the moment. Everyone in the organization said it's Super Bowl or bust. Well, yesterday it was bust. And over time, the 2020 season will be appreciated. The Peyton Breeze era already is, but today and for a while, the 2020 campaign is a failure. Minus four. 21 points off of them. Yeah. And while I don't think that I mean, I don't know. I don't necessarily think the Saints are suddenly going to be a bad football team or anything like that. I don't anticipate them contending. I'm not sure Jameis Winston won't sign elsewhere this offseason. The Saints cap issues are real. The 17th game is going to help a little, but 2021, they're not going to have much depth. They're Right now, they're over $100 million over the cap based on the current contracts on their roster, and the offseason hasn't even begun yet. Even though some of their own are getting hired away. Dan Campbell, assistant head coach to Sean Payton, now the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Assistant GM Terry Fontenot, reportedly going to be hired as GM of the Atlanta Falcons. But a lot of the focus as time passed last night and into this morning isn't as much about Saints offseason or even 
how bad they got beat yesterday. It is about Drew Brees and the career that was. And you see it, right? You've seen it before. I mean, I if if you if you've watched boxers that just fought too long or MMA guys that just fought too long, Sugar Shane Mosley. I mean, just too long. Sugar Ray Leonard. When you see the guys in their decline and they just don't have it anymore. I mean, my goodness. It's obvious. You see it. And it was obvious yesterday. And and I think it's been somewhat obvious for a little while now, but the thought was they can still get it done, possibly look at their defense, think of the Broncos in twenty fifteen with Peyton Manning. And they just put enough together to get this thing done and breeze the career on a high note and the Saints get that Super Bowl and it it's gone. It's gone. I mean, Ali versus Joe Frazier three. Yeah. And yes, I know that Tom Brady's on the other side and he's eighteen months older and he's still playing and okay. Good. Breeze ain't Brady, guys. It's real. Okay? And while he says he's not going to make a decision yet, the decision's been made. And the truth of the matter is, Drew Breeze, if he were to come back, would not be a good thing for the Saints at this point. You know, he did some amazing things. Tyron Matthew, former LSU Tiger, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champion. I mean, he tweeted out last night after the game, being from New Orleans, Drew Brees meant everything to us in that city. At many times, our only hope, you know, to smile and feel good, to live in a winning reality. That man gave us all life. None of us are perfect, but he was close. Salute. He never even played with Drew. Just grew up in New Orleans. Jimmy Graham did play with Drew. Did play with Drew. And you know, said some what it would it he um he was tweeting out that he was just happy to be part of Breeze's career. Don't have the exact quote in front of me, but love when the computer freezes up on the show, certainly. So it's the morning after. We're going to break down the game. We're going to take your phone calls. There were some other things happening in the world of sports over the weekend. Cajuns get a split. One on Saturday at uh, UT Arlington. Fell on Friday. Those teams always play close. You had three other divisional round games. I think the most notable one was the one yesterday. Most exciting one because the Browns actually had a shot. Patrick Mahomes is out. It's Chad Henney. It's third and 14. You're going to get the ball back. Oh, no. 
They let Henny run for 13 and a half yards. And then Andy Reid, man, going for it on fourth and inches and throwing the ball. But Drew Brees' final act is over. And the Peyton Breeze era in New Orleans is over. Feel free to share your thoughts. I didn't anticipate the Saints turning the ball over four times. I anticipated a close game. They lost by double digits. And it might have been some moments yesterday where Breeze played well. The throw to Traquan Smith in the end zone. But the reality is the Saints offense this season never really never really reached the heights that they needed to for this team to contend. As I told you guys two months ago, I'm more concerned about this, much more concerned about the Saints' offense in the postseason than their defense. Defense was good yesterday. I get it. By the fourth quarter, they were letting Tampa run the ball, and Tampa was more physical, and the Saints' defense was gassed, but 21 points off of three turnovers, and then a fourth turnover late. Tampa was able to run the clock out after that. The core of this Saints team largely assembled through the 2016 and 2017 drafts. Some of those guys are not going to be back. The offense, whether it be turnovers, whether it be fumbles, whether it be interceptions, having to settle for field goals early in the game when Deontay Harris, who started out with a bang and then had to go to the sideline with a neck injury. There aren't a lot of questions as to, well, what happened yesterday and how did this happen? It was pretty obvious. A special era is over, though, guys. And if you're trying to convince yourself that it's not, he should come back or he might come back or they're still going to be contending next year and I want to see Jameis Winston, and I, I got a reality check for you. The window is closed. I don't know that the Saints are, the Saints aren't suddenly going to go to being an awful team, take you know drafting in the top five picks of the NFL draft. They're going to win some games. Contending though, no. the depth of this team is going to look very different next year. The quarterback of the future, who knows? Who knows? Saints desperately need another linebacker. The man where they missing Quan Alexander yesterday. Alex Anzalone was getting beat all over the field in coverage. Big time. Big time. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN 1420.com. 18 minutes after the hour, 7 o'clock. When we come back, you'll hear from Drew Brees. Post-game audio. Got plenty of post-game audio from the players. We'll open up phone lines after that. Kyle has sent in a letter he wrote, O to Drew Brees. We'll dig into that. Get you guys' thoughts as we move along here this morning. CSPN1420N.com. I'm Scott Brather. We'll write back right after this. All right, welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, ESPN1420N.com. We're going to open up phone lines in a minute, but post-game audio coming your way from last night, including 
Drew Brees, not just the short clip you heard earlier, but answering questions about if he has any regrets, is he going to retire, where is his head at, and much, much more. After that, we'll open up phone lines. We've got other post-game audio as well coming your way. Kamara, DeMario Davis, Sean Payton. This is the great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Here's Drew Brees. Hey, Drew. I hate to start with this, but is this your last game? <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this. This just want to give myself an opportunity to, uh, to you know, think about the season, think about a lot of things, just like I did last year, and um, make a decision. Next one's from Catherine Terrell. Hey, Drew, um, if this does end up being your last season, was it was it worth it? Would you have any regrets about coming back? And if it was worth it, I guess what makes that decision worth it? I mean, it's just it's so many hours and so much work. I, uh, I, would, I don't know how to sum that up better. Sorry. I would, I would never regret it. Never. Um, no complaints, no regrets. Um, Man, I, I've always tried to play this game um, with a great respect and a great reverence for it. And man, I, I I appreciate all that this game has has given to me. Um, there are obviously so many incredible memories, so many incredible relationships that have come as a result. Game so much about yourself and you have to fight through so much, you know, when you play this game. And, and I'd say this season and I've ever had to in any other season in my career, um, from injury to all the COVID stuff to just crazy circumstances. Um, man, it was worth every moment of it. Absolutely. Next one's from Jamarcus Fitzpatrick. Uh, Drew, a lot of us have already seen the video when you were running off the field and you point, you pointed up at the stands and everything. In that moment, were you kind of just soaking in the moment of you know running off the field? The moment, and you know, I'm looking up at my family and I'm blowing kisses to my wife and my daughter, and you know, fist bumping my my boys. Um, yeah, I mean, they've become so much a part of this. And, you know, as 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 my kids have gotten older. And they're so invested in this as well. And so it makes makes the moment special to be able to share it all together. Next one's from Sean Fazend. Uh, hey, Drew, just um, I guess what kind of happened in a few of the turnovers today was just a simple matter of execution or kind of what went wrong there? Well, you know, a couple of them I probably shouldn't have thrown. Um, you know, maybe forced it, forced it in there. Um, I think uh, we're a little, probably a little off on, on just the kind of the overall execution, you know. Um, but, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, that's what this game came down to was those turnovers because all of those gave them the ball deep in our territory. And you can't do that with that offense. You know, they're too good and they're going to capitalize on that, which they did. So um, that was obviously the – determining factor in this game. Next one's from Mike Triplett. Drew, is it possible that the result of this game or the result of this season could influence your decision on whether to play again, or, or, or you have to make peace with the idea that you don't get to write the final chapter? No. 
uh, this, this, this won't have anything to do with it. Next one's Mamie Just. Yeah, um, you watched uh, the Camara Sanders, Jameis to Traquan play from the sideline. What did you see from that? And uh, um, y'all put that in this week, right? Yeah, yeah, um, man, great play, great execution. Um, Alvin seemed to draw a lot of attention, <laughs> and uh, that that allowed Traquan to get uh, through the middle of the defense wide open. Jameis made a great throw, just uh, a big time play. Next one's from Luke Johnson. It drew uh, specifically on those turnovers. That, that's it's been something that y'all have been so good at avoiding, uh, especially these last couple of years. Um, just how, how uncharacteristic was that for y'all tonight? I, I'd, I'd say it's pretty uncharacteristic because we all we, we preach, you know, playing winning football, and you turn the ball over uh, four times, um, so you're minus four total in the turnover. Uh, ratio, then that's that's not winning football, especially in the playoffs, especially against a team like that. Next one's from Jeff Duncan. Hey, uh, Drew, what will go in to your decision making on whether you come back or not? Uh, I'll keep that to myself right now. ESPN1420.com. This is the Great Scott Show, bottom of the hour. Phone lines are open for you at 269. 269- 1077-269-1077. You can get involved as well uh, on Twitter, at ESPN1420 is the handle. And you can email me, scott at ESPN1420.com. Here's an email from Paul. Scott, aside from Drew Brees, who else do you think will be gone next year from the Saints that is a big piece? <clears throat> a big piece. I mean, I, I is Jared Cook a big piece? I suppose, but he'll be gone. Um, I don't anticipate them re-signing him. Uh, you've got a number of guys. You know, Janoris Jenkins may not be back. Uh, Quan Alexander, neither of those guys will be back on the contracts they're on. Marcus Williams might be hard to bring back. He's going to be a free agent. Um, at quarterback, Jameis Winston. Many, you know, There was a, a shot of Breeze late in the game in the final moments looking at Winston. Some think he said to Jameis, this is your team now. Some want to see that as a possibility. I don't know that Winston's going to resign. He might get a deal elsewhere. Uh, Saints are over 100 mil over the cap. You know they've got they've got they've got a lot of work to do. It's going to be the most interesting offseason in a long time. Um, those are just some off the top of my head, but I think I think really where you're going to see a big difference in the team next year is just depth. I don't think you're going to have as much depth as you had with this year's team. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard to win games next year. I don't think they're going to be a bad football team, but I think the window is closed. Let's head to the phone lines. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. How are you? Even though I have a brown nose, I'm not brown nosing. I just want to commend you um, for your analysis, man. I, I, I really mean this. Uh, when it comes to local radio, uh, you, you're level-headed. You don't really just come off the. You just kind of you don't react. You just kind of level-headed. You know, you make key analysis. You know you, you, you know, you criticize players, rightfully so, but you don't just 
target one man. Like you look at this as a team effort, and I just want to commend you. Um, in your opinion, man, Michael Thomas, what what was up, man? How how, how not one catch, uh, four targets. Was he hurt? Was, was he just a decoy out there? He, he was. He wasn't good yesterday. I know that the passes weren't always there, but it just it feels like the look the the. The Bucks said, we're not playing zone, we're going to play man. Okay. Well, you're playing man, and you're being physical, and you're playing a team, and you know the quarterback can't throw deep. So who's, you know, one of the most physical wide receivers in the league who's really good at it, who is constantly commended for how good he is at the line of winning that battle when you're getting physical in that, you know, one to one and a half yard um, cushion where it's allowed. Who gets off of press coverage, quote, better than anyone in the league, end quote. I mean, Michael Thomas has held that title for the last couple of years. Now, this year he didn't because he missed a ton of time with an injury. But you come back in time for the postseason, the guy in his entire career, of every game he's played in the NFL, has never had a game where he had zero receptions until yesterday. And when they really needed him, uh, he just... He was either MIA or just wasn't coming down with a catch. And some of them, the throw wasn't there. But there were at least two of those four where I feel like the Michael Thomas that we know and have seen comes down with that catch and, um, you know, in traffic or isn't isn't out physical. I know that's not exactly a word, like on the interception. But he was – I mean, Tampa brought it to him yesterday, and they won that battle. And as a result, he just – he had a bad game. Uh, you know, Jared Cook had a bad game. I would say he was responsible for two of the four turnovers. Um, you know, a lot of guys had a bad game. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was kind of caught up in what was going wrong as it happened. And, you know, admittedly, as the night went on last night and this morning, the focus is more kind of just on the end of an era of Saints football. But in terms of the actual game, man, Michael Thomas deserves some some criticism for – Getting zero receptions. I mean, that's if you're going to be, you know, a guy that is looked at as one of the best in the world at what you do. Yesterday, he was far from that. Uh, Armstead, did he come back? Yeah, he came back. Yeah, he came back in, and um, you know, he left. He walked off slow after. I guess was it the Cook fumble, but uh, but he came back, and, and the Bucks, the Bucks just took it to the Saints, and the Saints, I thought, had. They had the momentum. You know, they come out in the second half. They put together by far their best drive of the game. They score with the Traquan Smith touchdown from Breeze. They get the ball back. They force Tampa to punt, and they're driving. And it's a it's a great play call. Jared Cook has the first down. But from that fumble, Tampa just was able to get the momentum back, and then they never really looked back. And the Saints just weren't built to, you know, I don't – I don't think any team's built in the NFL to overcome minus four in the turnover department, but the Saints certainly are. Not when you have a quarterback that's throwing the ball five to ten yards down the field and, you know, you're missing, you know, a number of your key guys in terms of the run game between Murray and Hill and stuff like that. So just a bad just a bad time to have a bad day. But uh credit to the Bucks, man. They they were the more physical team yesterday and I thought that was the big difference in the game. Um, man, I'm just kind of lost for words. Um, that's all I'm gonna say, man. I don't have too much. Uh, 
but thank you, man. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Appreciate the kind words. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll say what I said earlier. I think when you look at the Saints, who, ugh, if you want a stat that'll <laughs> just depress you more if you're a Saints fan, uh, the Saints did become a first yesterday. The first team ever to win 49 regular season games over a four-year stretch, 49 or more, and not reach the Super Bowl once. Again, everyone within the Saints organization said since the offseason, every single one of them, Super Bowl or bust, this is it. That's the goal. And if not, it's a failure. And it was a failure. Yesterday was a failure and the season was a failure. But over time, the season will be appreciated. But not today. And I think the Peyton Breeze era is being appreciated. I mean, some are caught up in emotions and feelings and and mad and upset. And okay. For a while, the 2020 campaign's a failure, but and, and that stat is just a reminder of why. But over time, you'll look back and say, you know what, that was a good year with a lot of tough circumstances. It just ended on a, on a tough note. But the last four years and the disappointing ends, I mean, again, it was, it was shock with the Minneapolis Miracle and Stephon Diggs. It was anger and, and denial for a while after the nefarious non-call. Last year, it was it was just kind of disappointment because you just flat out got beat by Minnesota. And, you know, this year, it's it's I, I feel from fans, it's more sadness, but also many are just kind of at peace with it. You didn't leave that game yesterday. And if, look, if you're caught up because you think there was a bad call and that's why the Saints lost, you need to you need to just take your head out of the sand and and just be real with yourself. They just got beat. And Drew Brees looked like a fighter late in his career when you're watching him and you're just saying, man, this all-time great just, just doesn't have it anymore. They just don't. And it's pretty clear that Breeze just doesn't have it anymore. I think many of us knew that in terms of high level, but you you thought about the 2015 Broncos. You thought, well, you got a great defense. You got good playmakers, so the window's still open. And I think it was. If you don't turn it over four times yesterday, you're probably getting ready to go to Green Bay. But you didn't. You played bad football. You turned it over. Tampa played better. They won. And you think back to the last... 15 years of Saints football. Some ups and downs, a Super Bowl in there. But compare that to the previous 39 years. It's a lot different. Or 30, yeah, previous, yeah, previous 39 years. It's a lot different. I mean, you only had two. Uh, one one playoff win ever in the previous 39 years. The area of, you know, paper bags over the fans' heads and the ain'ts. And oh my gosh, this is what a what a what a what a bad organization. Yeah. 
It's a lot different now. And I know that that you know people that don't like the Saints will have their their jokes ready and and their trash talk ready and that's fine. That's to be expected. But how the organization is viewed around the NFL in terms of a destination, a place to go play, how they treat their players. Compare that now at the end of this Peyton Breeze era. And Peyton's, you know, he's still going to be around, but the Peyton Breeze era ended yesterday. But compare the organization now, where they are now to right before that era started. Is this team, can this team even play in the state? Can the city even make it? Can the state support them? Can they ever do anything? Can they even win another playoff game ever? And now they're one of the more respectable franchises in sports. And Drew Brees has a heck of a lot to do with that. And I know people bring up the city and how he helped and the Peyton Brees era helped with that. And a lot of great players in between then and now have have been a part of that. But just look at from an organizational standpoint the difference they've made. It was big. Emails. Jacques emails. Ha. Huh. Scott heard you talking about Michael Thomas with the last caller. Do you think the Saints will trade him? Uh, I think it's going to be tough to trade Michael Thomas with that contract. And no, I don't think that they're going to trade Michael Thomas this offseason. One, I don't know that they want to. Two, I don't know that they can. Now, in terms of some of his, like, you know, I often compare Michael Thomas to Christian Bale, right? And the method actor and, and being one of the best at his craft, but the things that make Christian Bale great are also the things that get him in trouble at times. Thomas's uh, issues, whether it's punching a teammate or or other things like that's teams will accept that when you're the best receiver in the league. But the 2020 Michael Thomas, that another year of that, and not producing on the field, and things will change. But keep in mind, he lo- he missed a lot of time this year with an injury. When Taysom Hill did have those that stretch of four games where he started, Thomas was was the go-to guy and played well during that stretch, didn't really play well or play at all the rest of the season. But whoever the next quarterback is, the heir apparent to Breeze, Thomas is probably going to be the go-to guy. And, you know, if he doesn't bounce back next year, then we'll see. But if he doesn't bounce back, that means he's not playing well, and that means that contract's going to hurt. And Why would anyone trade for a guy that isn't playing well in that contract? I think Thomas will be um, playing well next year and, um, you know, I think well yesterday. He was bad yesterday. But I think I think a lot of folks are, are caught up in the moment. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Good morning, Scott. Long time no talk, brother. Yeah, tough, tough loss last night. Scott, I know you, you know the roster forwards and backwards. Uh, where were their linebackers last night? Uh, Robinson, the guy that's nominated for player of the year. Help me out with that. Because I thought they were invisible last night. Um, I thought Demario Davis was okay. Um, I think how many tackles he finished with? Uh, I'll, I'll 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 look it up. I'll look it up. But I, I, um, I really thought that linebacker play was poor. Last well, night. I thought I thought Alex Anzalone was. I thought he was really bad, and I thought you could see oh, he's just close. I, I, he can't get around. I, yeah. yeah, I thought you could see. You know that Quan Alexander injury late in the season was so big. 
You saw the difference sure. in DeMario Davis's play when Quan Alexander was on the field this year versus Anzalone, and the Bucks went after him in coverage a lot yesterday, and he was sure. just in the, the crosshairs, especially in the red yeah. zone. And Zach Bond, who's a backup linebacker rookie who was drafted and was a pass rusher in college, he was he was getting a lot of snaps yesterday. And I don't think it's because they thought, oh well, he's great. I think it was kind of like, man, I mean, Anzalone, what's 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 going on here? So um, I don't, you know, he's a guy that's his rookie deal is is coming to an end uh, officially now. So I doubt he'll be on the roster next year, and that's a position the Saints are going to try to upgrade, but. They've got a lot of guys that are on the end of their contracts. They've got a, over $100 million over the cap already, and next season hasn't even uh, – the offseason hasn't even started yet. So they got a lot of work to do, and I think linebacker outside of DeMario Davis is um, is definitely got to be this, this offseason, no doubt about it. Got to be addressed. Scott, if you were a betting man, what would what's the odds of Jameis Winston being a starting quarterback? That's a good question. Um yeah, you asked me if I was a betting man. I can tell you this from a betting standpoint: it is according to the sports books, the odds on favored. You can actually uh, bet on it if you. You know, I was just looking at uh, Bavada sports books, and they have a bunch of you know NFL specials. And so there, the, there's a there's a prop bet up there that's where will Jameis Winston play game one of the 2021 regular season. Uh, the Saints are the leader at minus 150. I think Bengals are on the list, Washington, Indianapolis, even the Patriots. So here, I would I would put it right now at 60-40. Uh, okay, the, cool. I, but yeah. what's it, to me, it's kind of like this. If you're Jameis and Sean is saying all these things publicly, you know, we want him to come back, we want him to compete, you just signed – a deal that gave you a million dollars for one year, which that's a lot of money to me, but you know, to, to NFL players, you know, he, he could have made more likely to go play somewhere else, even as a backup. Do you want to come back when breeze went out and for four games, you were on the sideline while they, you know, put a guy out there that many don't believe is, is a, a starting caliber quarterback. So if he gets an offer somewhere else and they say, we want you to start and we can offer you more money. I just, I, I, I think the saints want him back. I think that's true. But I also think that Jameis might be like, you know what? I, I, it was fun. I, I'm glad I was here for a year, but I can go make some more elsewhere. And, you know, I think I can start. So I, there's probably part of them that wants to. I think a lot of it's going to come down to a business decision at this point. But um, but if they can have Jameis back, I think they want to do it. So I'd put it at 60-40. Okay. Well, uh, my, my big question was I thought the linebackers were invisible last night. By the but, way, to, uh, hey, I, can, I can answer your question. DeMario Davis had nine tackles yesterday and a sack. Two okay, quarterback hits. Okay. Individual tackles. Okay. All right. But they, you know, they, weren't, they weren't making plays like, you know, Devin White. Is a man amongst boys. Now, Devin White. Devin White. Boys. Devin White led all tacklers yesterday. He was. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, they didn't have him last week in Washington. He was on the the COVID nineteen uh, reserve right, list, so right. he was fresh and uh, and he was he was fast oh. and and he was he was wrecking folks. But you know, the Saints side defense, line line. they were just. I I thought they did okay. They were gassed by the end of the second half. It's just it's the four turnovers, man. That's really. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what you could point. Yeah, to. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. And as, as good as Drew is, you could see it. It was like, like you say, a boxer in his twilight, just trying to hang on, trying to hang on. But 
but didn't have it. I mean, it came on. But, Scott, thanks for your info, buddy, and you have a good day. All right, Jones. I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. ESPN 1420.com. Good morning. Good morning, man. It's, uh, I was out it this morning on the way to work before I called in. It's so crazy how an NFL game's momentum is so pivotal. And when that Jared Cook fumble happened, I just had this terrible gut feeling. Because before that fumble, I was on cloud nine. I'm like, we're about to go up 10 to 14 points. It's late in the game. This is where this is where you make your money at. And when that fumble happened and they drove down the field, it just it just felt like it felt like I was a kid again watching the Saints. It, it did. And, you know, it did. It was it was it was the biggest play of the game. Um, the Bucks got the momentum there. They never looked back. And I do think it it's it's also telling when you look at Breeze and how he just doesn't have it anymore that a 2020 tie late in the third quarter felt like, uh-oh, you know, this is it. And then when they're down, you know, um, 23-20 and they've got the ball and it's they're, they're sitting there, you know, in Drew Brees' heyday, I mean, Sean Payton, he's not calling Kamara off tackle on first and second down or, or running sweeps to Ty Montgomery. It's, hey, man, get out there and let her rip. But that's just where the team was. And so you had to have, you know, a lead. You had to have momentum. You had to let the defense kind of – you had to kind of really lean on them. And uh, that fumble just – Antoine Winfield Jr. I mean, you know, Saints fans – Cook had the biggest gaffe of the game. I think Bucks fans will say Winfield Jr. had the biggest play of the game. I mean, that's – when it's your team, you look at the guy to either blame or give credit to. So it was the biggest play of the game, though. And uh, and there were some more big ones after that. But to your point, man, when it happened as well, I mean, I looked at my wife. I said, I think I think that's the play that might have lost the Saints the game. It's just, oh, shut up. They're winning. It's fine. I was just I, – you, you feel it, man. You just – you feel those moments and the shifts. And if the Saints defense wasn't going to get a turnover after that, then Tampa was probably going to – have momentum, and it was going to be hard to break it. And they did. Saints couldn't. Yeah. Tampa's advancing. Hats off to them. Yeah, I think, I think in my opinion, a lot of people point out Devin White's play as the biggest. Like, a lot of my friends are like, he, he's, a, he's the main reason they won. I feel like one of the, main, the other main reasons they won was when late in the game they were putting Ronald Jones in fresh. I mean, dude, he looked like he was moving faster than everybody on the field, offense and defense. Like, he had so much energy. And, I mean, he was gashing for six to eight yards every time he touched the ball. So it just felt like that right there was just the Saints were just bleeding out. But, you know, what really broke my heart was when Jameis Winston threw that touchdown. I felt great for him, and I felt great for the Saints at that moment. But I felt like that was just a telltale sign of Sean saying, Drew, you can't throw the ball 40 yards down yeah, the field. Yeah, but that's – Josh, with respect, man, I mean, that's that's nothing new. I mean, if that <laughs> – if if that just if that reality know, came to was, you yesterday, yeah. I think I think you've been in denial no. for a little while, man. No, 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 no. It, it's not that it came came it became reality to me then. It just made me feel bad for the man that in the last game he'd ever play in the you know in football history you know period and in the dome that he had to let a second slash third string quarterback come in and throw a ball down the field because he just physically can't do it. You know what I mean? It it, it has to be humbling at that moment and it just hey, sucks. It's like it's like it's like it's like that fighter late in his career in the ring and you just can tell they don't have it anymore. And you want it for them to just maybe 
Maybe they can just pull a knockout punch out of nowhere. Maybe they can end on that high note. I mean, look, let's be real. In 2015, Peyton Manning couldn't throw it down the field. I mean, he couldn't, but they had a great defense. Great defense, And they didn't turn it over, and he was cerebral. And I think think that for Saints fans, they were hoping all of that would come together this year and that Breeze could get sent off like that, but that's just – you don't always have a happy ending in sports. And, uh, you know, as as Tom Brady is visiting with Breeze on the field, not in uniform, but, you know, in street clothes well after the game, and Breeze is throwing the ball to his kids, and, and one of the kids runs up and asks Brady to throw it to him, and they're visiting, and it's like, is the the last scene before the, the closing credits of Breeze's career? You know, it's not the scene oh, that, that Saints, or he won it, you know? But that's the final scene before the credits roll, and I don't care if he says he hadn't made his decision yet, and he might even mean it, but it's over. The window is closed, and the era of Peyton Breeze is over. It'll be Peyton something, or maybe it'll just become the Peyton post-Breeze era is what we'll probably call it, but the Peyton Breeze era ended yesterday. It's over. Yeah, it kind of felt like that scene in Rocky whenever Apollo Creed and Rocky are talking about the good old days and then they get in the ring and they go to punch each other and it freezes. That's what it felt like. Whenever you posted that article, I saw you know, Tom and Drew talking, and I'm sure it must have felt like that, you know, two heavyweights. You know, talking about the good old days, and you know, Tom probably saying, "Well, Drew, you still, you still have, you still have me five to, you know, five to three. And Drew saying, "Well, you got this one." You know, just joking around, having a good time. And I think it's a, it says a lot about his, their both of their personalities. You know, Drew knowing that it's probably the end, and to be able to talk about it and not be that guy who you know goes soaked in the locker room. He's got a lot to live for and a lot to love. Uh, yeah, and, I, I'll, I'll play just a minute. I won't play all of his audio again, but I'll just play a minute of Breeze's audio here in a minute post game. And he, I mean, he was he looked disappointed, but he actually he, when he was asked by Cat Terrell, you know, if there was regret to coming back, he has a smile on his face. I mean, again, I think that I think that many. Saints fans and Drew Brees himself, as hard as it is, I think they're all at peace with the reality because it's how can you be anything else when it's so abundantly clear? Yeah. One, one more question I'll hang up and listen. I know he's going to be eventually or whenever working for NBC, but is it going to be Thursday night football? Is it going to be Sunday night football? Is it going to be college? But anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. I don't know. I, I've heard some. Um, I've heard some speculate, like the reports back in April was that he was joining NBC's Sunday night football broadcasting crew. But Chris Collinsworth isn't going anywhere, right? I mean, he's not. Collinsworth has been doing it a while, and he's good. So is he going to be just on the pregame show? Are they going to bump Rodney Harrison? I've heard, I heard, I think I read a report somewhere that it's believed Breeze will actually be uh, an analyst during Notre Dame games. So play-by-play, or not play-by-play, color commentary for Notre Dame football, which will be interesting, especially when they play Purdue, and then will be in the studio show for Football Night in America. On on NBC, it's the I think that's the gig. A little bit of audio from Drew after last night, and was saying it and had a polite smile on his face, just thinking about it. No complaints, no regrets. Um, man, I, I've always tried to play this game um, 
with a great respect and a great reverence for it. And I mean, I, I, I appreciate all that this game has, has given to me. Um, there are obviously so many incredible memories, so many incredible relationships that have come as a result um, of playing this game. And man, you find out so much about yourself and you have to fight through so much, you know, when you play this game. And, and I'd say this season, probably had to fight through more than I've ever had to in any other season in my career. Um, from injury to all the COVID stuff to just crazy circumstances, um, man, it was worth every moment of it. Absolutely. The end of an era. The 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show is coming your way after this. Some more post-game audio, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, and others, all, of course, being asked about. Drew Brees. You know, I think it's telling when you when you hear from individuals that are no longer teammates with him, or maybe never were, like, like Jimmy Graham this morning. Tweeted, Drew Brees, what a legacy. Proud to be one of your greatest creations. I'm grateful every day for the confidence you instilled in me from my first day to our last. I'm still heartbroken. The last was too soon. Now bring the kids. It's time to learn to fly with Uncle JG. Teron Matthew, who never played with Drew Brees, right? Grew up in New Orleans, said, being from New Orleans, Drew Brees meant everything to us in that city. At many times, our only hope, you know, to smile and feel good, to live in a winning reality. That man gave us all life. None of us are perfect, but he was close. Salute. That's big. Jokes are fine. Trolling's fine. It's all good. It's part of it's part of social media. It's part of sports. But if you want to take a, a look into what he meant to the city, aside from just, you know, philanthropy and things like that, I mean, that's pretty telling from Tyron Matthew there. It's good stuff. ESPN1420.com. All right, when we come back, more post-game audio, more from you. How you feeling the morning after? How you guys feeling? It's ESPN1420.com. We've uh, put that question up along with a little gif of Breeze over at Facebook. We'll give you some of the listener response to how they're feeling and more. It's all coming your way right here on ESPN1420.com. This your last game? <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll I'll answer this this question one time, and that is that I'm going to give myself an opportunity to uh, to you know think about the season, think about a lot of things, just like I did last year, and um, make a decision. Was it was it worth it? Would you have any regrets about coming back? And if it was worth it, I guess what makes that decision worth it? I mean, it's just, it's so many hours and so much work. I, uh, I, would, I don't know how to sum that up better. Sorry. I would, I would never regret it. Never. Um, no complaints, no regrets. Um, man, I, I've always tried to play this game um, with a great respect and a great reverence for it. And I mean, I, I, I I appreciate 
all that this game has has given to me. Um, from injury to all the COVID stuff to just crazy circumstances, um, man, it was worth every moment of it. Absolutely. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On e- 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Happy to have you with me this morning. We are, uh, you know, the focus this morning is is on the end of an era. Saints season ends. Drew Brees, even though he said he's going to take some time, I think the time he took after last night's game, and I think anyone that watched yesterday's game could see, and all the reports are, it's it. It's over. And if he were to decide he'd want to come back, I, I don't know that that'd even really be a good thing for the Saints, let's be honest. When you watch those great elite fighters over the years in their final matches struggle when their body just didn't have it anymore, did you say to yourself, yeah, I want to see him do it again? No. You said, oof, this is rough, okay? This is rough. Yeah, the focus this morning is on that. And as the week goes on, we're going to shift our focus to other things and Cajun Hoops, they get a split over the weekend. Bob Marlin will be on the show tomorrow morning. Gary Broadhead will be on the show tomorrow. We'll continue to cover, obviously, the end of the Saints era. Other playoff games as well as uh, Buffalo advances. Kansas City advances in dramatic fashion. Boy, what an opportunity the Browns had and just couldn't get it done. Green Bay advances. We'll, we'll do that as the week goes on, but the morning after... Uh, an era ends that began. I mean, when I when I got on the air here, it was the Katrina season, the nomadic season, the Saints having to play a home game in New York City on the Giants' field while the Giants fans were in the stands heckling the hell out of all of the Saints who didn't have a home, and Tom Benson, who at that moment in time was still loathed by the fan base as the Saints had won one playoff game ever in years and years of misery and not many winning seasons and not much success and the most notable play in playoff in in, in franchise history on a positive note was a, an opposing player fumbling the ball. A game drops the ball. And plenty of laughable moments. And then Sean Payton's hired and Drew Brees signs in the last 15 years have been very different. Some ups and downs, some heartbreaking losses, especially the last four years to end the season. But heck of a lot better than what it was before. A culture-changing era that ended in disappointing fashion, but one that was very clear. And I think I think a lot of fans are obviously disappointed, fans of the Saints, but I also think, a lot of them are, are at peace 
when it's that obvious and you see it, it's happening. How can you not be? If you want, if you want more evidence as to as to, to fans being at peace, Kyle, who has called this radio station for twenty two years, and I think we can all agree can be a bit emotional at times. Other times irrational. And other times, good analysis, but he sent me a letter last night that he wrote. Well, he sent it to me. I think he wrote it to Drew Brees. I don't know that he put it in the mail. But I think it's actually worth noting because I think it illustrates where a lot of fans are at. Oh, to Drew Brees. Kyle says, like so many others, as a Saints fan, my heart is broken once again. My team lost in the playoffs again falling short of everyone's hopes and many people's expectations. Many will blame this, that, or the other thing for this loss. So some will point out officiating mistakes, others the bad coaching decisions made by the offensive guy, the defensive guy, and some will even say the game was fixed. Then there are those who will blame the players. I myself will likely, although unwillingly, fall prey to this madness as well. After all, it's all right as fans to vent when our guys don't achieve the ultimate act of victory. But the truth is this team had a hell of a year this season, and while I know many are severely disappointed, the truth is... We just weren't good enough at the right time. Does that mean the team didn't try hard enough or just didn't care as much as they should have? Not from what I saw. I know that Drew did not perform as well as we or he hoped, and we more than likely saw him play his last game, and it was disappointing. But he has been a man of heroic, heroic epic proportions. I remember when he first came to New Orleans, most of the local media said that he paid for damaging goods. I knew better. I followed his career since he had started playing at Purdue. I was drawn to this guy when I first saw him play. He had something special about him. He was like King David in the Old Testament, just a rusty kid who slew a bear, a lot, who slew a bear, a lion, and then a giant with his slingshot. New Orleans has been through so much. Katrina had ravaged the Gulf Coast, and the levees breaking in and around the city caused so much more devastation. The whole lower southeastern area along the river and the city had been displaced. No lights, no power, no air conditioning, no place to live, no functioning schools, nowhere to get gas. Grocery stores and hospitals running on generators, a city which had been devastated. The Saints organization didn't even know from week to week where they would perform their act. That was the kind of wreckage which Sean Payton and Drew Brees inherited. Yet they rolled their sleeves up, and with a bunch of scrubs and young rookies, they rebuilt. They rebuilt their team, and they helped rebuild a city in the pride of a whole region. There have been those that said they didn't do anything for the city, which is totally untrue. They gave of their money, they gave of their time, but most of all, they gave of their spirits. They gave all they could. They believed and they helped many others believe as well. Drew led a team that was part of the whipping boy bunch of the NFL and helped bring them an NFL title and become one of the most successful franchises in modern professional sports. He set personal records and played himself into the NFL Hall of Fame along the way, but he brought hours and hours of glorious joy to me personally and to so many who had prayed for joy for the guys who represented us around the country. I thank God for sending Drew Brees to the city of New Orleans, however he had to make that happen. And I think Drew Brees for not only being one of the greatest people to ever play the game of football, but also one of the nicest, most decent men that I've had the pleasure of following throughout his career. My daddy used to say, we're going to miss him when I'm gone. And he was right. I do. Next season hasn't even started yet, and I already missed Drew. That is uh, written by one Kyle. Yeah. Watching the end of Drew's career was hard, especially since it wasn't the ending. that any Saints fan wanted. A daunting offseason lies ahead for the Saints. 
it was another season of unmet expectations. And it was very disappointing. But the offseason, which technically has started. I mean, Dan Campbell's supposed to be hired as head coach of the Lions Wednesday. He's assistant head coach to the Saints. Terry Fontenot is going to be hired uh, by the Falcons as their next GM. And you can read. we got all kind of great content for you over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. Tons of stuff from... Uh, Yesterday's game, the fallout from it, what comes next, and much more, and a little bit of uh, news and notes on uh, UL football as well. But love to hear from you. 269-1077, You can email as well, scott at ESPN1420.com, and you can tweet the show. At ESPN1420 is the handle. We're going to get to uh, all your questions and comments here as we continue. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. You think the um, you think they're going to uh, mail that letter that you just read to uh, Canton when they uh, re- when uh, Drew Brees uh, when he's enshrined into the uh, football hall- pro football hall of fame? You think that letter is going to Canton that you just read because that that was a very touching letter. Um, I have tears welling down my eyes right now. No, I don't. But no, that was a that was a nice letter though. That was some uh, nice touching words. Well, I think I think I think I just wanted to read it because I think it illustrates where a lot of fans are today. I think I'm surprised that a a lot of fans are um, the reaction that because like my friends that have followed the team basically their whole life, you know, they have a little thread. I don't text in it much, but I'm in I'm in you know I'm on the thread, so I'm they text throughout a game, and I'm usually kind of reading after the fact. But every one of them was just kind of like, man, this. It's sad, but it, that's it, you know. It's over, you know, and, and it was glad glad we got to have that ride. I think that's – surprisingly, I think that's the overwhelming majority this morning. And maybe that's just my world. I might be totally off on that. You know, maybe maybe most Saints fans are just PO'd and angry and bitter at the world, but I think I think most of them kind of kind of just at peace with where things are. Um. Yeah, but but my thing is is we we keep um, mentioning the, um, the the season with Denver, right? We keep mentioning you know Peyton Manning didn't have the arm, but the, but the the reality, well, Drew Brees was injured. I guess Taysom Hill, and and that's another thing too, Scott. Uh, when when they announced Taysom Hill and Murray being out, uh, I was like, whoa, that was a bad start. I don't like this. Bad start to Sunday, I don't wasn't like it? This. But I, I already had that feeling. Let me just sorry. add real quick on okay, that. Okay. They, you know, the, the Saints points on their first two possessions. I mean, how how much fans can change in, from one year to the other? Because a lot of the reaction was, oh, good, they won't take Breeze out of the game for Taysom, or they won't. Taysom Hill in the red zone, especially goal-to-go situations, those are successful more than the, than they're not. And and I think maybe that's the difference in one or two Four-point swings there early in the game. Obviously, Murray not being there, especially when you're having to run the ball late because they're being so physical and man coverage. And you know, it's you're down three. It's the fourth quarter, and they're not dialing up pass plays for Drew Brees. They're running Kamara off tackle. I think they best they definitely missed those guys yesterday. Leonard Fournette, man. Yeah, I heard a caller. The caller, you know, 
he's right. Jones was out there running like a madman that last quarter. Uh, the one uh, one of his runs got called back. But um, hey man, that was a hold. Hey man, golly, that was hey man, that was a holding call that I saw. That was very visibly man. Uh, a guard, matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, man. Hell, one of the Saints players, of course, they didn't they didn't throw the flag, and that was a key. I think that was a key um, first down on that reception. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just like you said, man. It, it's just aggravating, man. And um, I don't see Cook. Cook is not gonna. He's not coming back. You see him back? No, no. He's 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 also like I think he's 33 or 34. Um, yeah, he's been in the league for a minute. Yeah, yeah no, he's yeah, he's for a Troutman's not the future at tight end for the Saints. Um, I, there's there's going to be a lot of different. There's going to be a lot of key players from this year's team are not going to be on the team next year, and the Saints are like going to miss. Name, them. name me three more. Janoris Jenkins. I don't. I don't think he'll be back. Um, I I'm not sure if Marcus Williams is going to be back. I don't think Trey Hendrickson's going to be back, and maybe one of those three will. But all three of those guys are huge parts of the Saints' defense, and they're all none of them are restricted. They're all going to be on the open market, and they're all going to be offered really good money from opposing teams. And the Saints uh, currently thing. are over a hundred million over the cap, and they've they've got they've got a daunting offseason in front of them. Uh, one thing Kyle was uh, he was what one thing he was consistent on man was the uh, the play of Anzalone. Basically, uh, the yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Quan, yeah, the injury of Quan Alexander, man. Excuse me, the Quan Alexander that. That was the writing on the wall, you know. That 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 right there should have been. Uh oh, you know. Um, but like I said, man, Leonard Fournette, man, for him to come in in the city, he was raised where, he, where he's where he's from. He had a good game. I'm a, I must uh, give him uh, his props. Uh, Devin White also had a, a nice. He had a beautiful game. Um, Devin White was the MVP of the game yesterday. Yeah, um, Matt Shaw, David Carr. Like what? What do you? What do you take on those uh, quarterbacks? Why? <laughs> why? Like I, I, that's why I hear a lot. A lot of people saying, you know, let's let's try to get Matt Schaub. You know, Matt, Matt put him in a, in a. Are you joking? No, I'm serious. Like, like you, you know, I've heard no. local callers. No. I mean, I'm not gonna say names. There's a guy who used to get out of here. Show. No, Matt Schaub. <laughs> hey, I, I look. I'm not trying to be fun. No, I'm sorry. Not Matt Sharp. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, Matt Stafford. Oh, Stafford. No, oh, I'm I think. Sorry. I, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, tripping. What Whoa. are you talking about? <laughs> no, look. I think if 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 Matt Stafford is going to be on the Saints, <laughs> I think it could. I think if it's ever going to happen, I think it would probably happen in uh, 2022. Um, he's got a year left on his contract with Detroit. Um, I don't think that Dan Campbell is going to go to Detroit and trade away the quarterback. Uh, the Saints, honestly, I don't even know if they'd be able to take in that contract. You know, if the Lions want to go in complete rebuild mode, I suppose a way to do it is to trade, you know, the quarterback and get some draft capital. But the Saints don't have a lot of it, and they're desperately going to need to hit on this draft again this year because they're about to lose some of the guys from the 2017 draft. They're going to need guys on rookie deals because of the cap issues. So I think next year uh, it's much more likely, not that it's the right move. I mean, I'm just looking at it on paper in terms of 
the salary cap situation and things like that, I think it is much more likely that, that Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill is starting week one at quarterback for the Saints than Matt Stafford. Now, in 2022, especially depending on how Stafford and or Winston might play next year, then it could be Stafford if he's a free agent and he's just looking to go somewhere different and you know compete at a high level. I think um, I think he I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. I don't think he's going to be playing at a high level, you know, in his forties. Uh, but but at only thirty two years old, Stafford's probably got about four or five really good years left. But uh, you hear a lot of talk, man, about people. I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, not so much you. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this uh, Dan Campbell hired. Man. Um, I heard someone mention uh, his credentials, him being an interim coach of the Dolphins. If not mistaken, that was like, I think was Cameron the coach. I think no, uh, that, it was uh, it was Joe Philbin. But like Philbin oh, got oh, fired. Oh, I forgot about him. Philbin got fired <laughs> early in the year. Like Campbell was coach of the Dolphins for like. 12 games, like the bulk of the season, and he was in his 30s. So he's a guy that has head coaching experience, not just a couple of games. Um, and, and a lot of people just, they they refer to Campbell as a, quote, culture changer, you know? So I think, but at the same time, he's going to Detroit, man. I mean, the odds of him having success Detroit, there are huh? slim. He did. He did. He signed with I'm the Saints. In o- he signed with the Saints yeah. in 09. Yeah. The Super Bowl, he got, yeah, he, he tore his MCL in the preseason and never never, you know, took a regular season snap, and that was the end of his playing career. But I want to look at his background, man. He must have a uh, – he must – I'm going to say, does he come from a, a coaching family? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to – Yeah, I think he – I know he's from Texas, and, you know, he was he grew up playing football his whole life. I think he played at A&M. But I don't, I don't know anything about, about his family, so it's a good question. But think about it. Like, the, the reason I mentioned that, you look at um, the Harbaugh brothers. Like, their father, man, was a, was a, was a long-time football coach. You know, sometimes it's in the it's in the blood. You know, all right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it is. Billy Napier's dad was a great football coach in uh, in high school in the state of Georgia for a long time. Let's see. Dan Campbell family tree. Not seeing much here. Um. You know, he has a wife and, and a, a son and a daughter, but nothing about his parents or anything like that. So, not sure. Don't know a ton about him. And Saints assistant coaches never speak to the media, which is the norm across the NFL. It's rare. I know the Cowboys this year, you know, put Mike Nolan on the podium after some games. But uh, it's most NFL head coaches don't allow their assistant coaches to speak to the media. Not to say that they mute them or say don't talk. They just they think anything that's going to be written in paper, they want to say, well, if it came from the mouth of the head coach, then I have to meet with the media all the time. Nothing can be spun a certain way. Nobody can take a quote. And Like Anthony Lynn, who's no longer the coach of the Chargers, but during the COVID-19 pandemic, early on when we were there was no sports going on and we were getting creative with content, I spent um, – you know, I'd spend a week of the show focusing on a team from the past, like you know, the 2014 Rage of Cajun baseball team. Spoke to some former players from that team and, you know, some on the staff and memories and all that. Did a week on the 2000 Saints team, team that won the first playoff game in franchise history, and it was a fun team. And I remember having Leroy Glover on. Leroy was an assistant coach on the Chargers this past year, and it was, it was hard to get some of those guys on. And for Glover, it was like, 
the response from the charges, well, Anthony Lynn doesn't allow any assistance to, to talk. And I made a deal with him. I'm like, look, I, I don't even want to talk to him about the Chargers. I don't care. I just want to talk to him about the 2000 Saints. And so they, they let the interview happen. But um, anyway, I'm rambling about stuff that's not all that important. 269-1077-269-1077. Um, here's an email from Jacques. Scott, like you, I'm disappointed about the ending of the Saints season. It's been one hell of a ride. At the end of the day, I'm grateful that the team I grew up rooting for has had a lot of success. Not sure what the future holds, but hearing you talk about the salary cap, why do people make jokes about how Mickey Loomis doesn't care about the cap and always goes over it? Can't the Saints re-sign all the guys they need to? Thanks for the response in advance. Enjoying the show this morning. Jacques, thank you, man. Thanks for the email. Thanks for listening. Yes, Mickey Math, as folks like to call it, Mickey Loomis, the magician, all that's all that's all funny and it's fine and dandy. And there is some partial truth to it about him trying to work his salary cap magic every year. But this is this is they're nearly they're nearly a hundred million dollars over next year's salary cap. They've never faced that going into an offseason. Oh, by the way, the salary cap, which everyone thought was going to grow a lot consistently, isn't going to have the big bump that they thought because of COVID-19 and the loss of ticket sales and other sales and, and just money coming into the league as a result of it. Adding a 17th game to the schedule next year, which according to reports has been agreed upon by owners, it's expected to become official at some point, that will help free up some more money. But the Saints are going to have to let some of their pending free agents walk. And there's some key veterans under contract that are either going to be released or have to take a pay cut, maybe don't want to take a pay cut. Like Sheldon Rankins, I I don't – you see him coming back? Probably not. He just played out his rookie five-year deal. Malcolm Brown on the D-line. He's entering the final year of his deal. But if they release him, they can save $5 million in salary cap space. Marcus Williams is a free agent. Trey Hendrickson is a free agent. Janoris Jenkins is a free agent. Quan Alexander isn't, but he's due $13 million next year. And if the Saints cut him, there's no dead money on the cap. So you know that they're not going. I mean, if if Alexander's on the team next year, it's not going to be on that contract. And so Jarrett Cook's contract just ended. Thomas Morstead, he's probably played his last game with that contract and the way he played this year. And I like Thomas. I know him personally, but I, I don't expect him back next year. Patrick Robinson's contract, he could be gone. Granted, he's a backup, but still, all of these players, you are talking about starters on defense and you are talking about depth. And I got news for you. The biggest reason the Saints were 12-4 and this year in the regular season was because of their defense. As I said, going into the postseason, I was much more worried about the Saints' offense in the postseason than their defense. Now, the defense, did they have some holes? Yes, and Alex Anzalone was one of them. But, guys... The depth of this team is about to take a big hit. And we haven't even, you know, brought up the the the, the heir apparent to Breeze a quarterback. Yes, it looks like that, that Drew Breeze with a minute left in the game, in his final game, as he's on the sideline and Tampa's taking a knee, it looks like, and you can judge for yourself, we got the video over at ESPN1420.com. He pointed at Jameis Winston and said, This is your team now. But what if Jameis isn't back? What if he gets a nice contract offer somewhere? What will it take? You're gonna what you gonna roll with Taysom Hill in the last year of his deal for a year? 
who could be an injury waiting to happen, who I think showed over four games he's not the heir apparent, but if you need him in a squeeze, okay, maybe so. Ryan Ramchek's got one year left on his deal. Teron Armstead's going to need to readjust his salary if they want to bring him back, and he's probably coming off his best season as a pro. So, yeah, Jacques, there, in terms of, of the jokes, if Mickey Loomis is able to just keep all these guys, everyone comes back, and the Saints are just fine, and, all, and they're able to make some good free agency signings, I will finally officially join the camp of, okay, the salary cap is just, it's, it's, it doesn't matter to Mickey Loomis. He can just do anything. But what you do is when you run up that credit card year after year, at some point you got to pay those interest rates when they get higher. And if you feel like the interest rates are going to improve over the years, like a la the salary cap keeps growing, you can get away with it for a while, especially while you feel like the window's open. But when the cap, Overall, across the leagues, lower than expected. And you're already $100 million over it before you even begin an offseason? Yeah. Like I said, a daunting offseason. Maybe don't think about it quite yet. Just try to still appreciate the Peyton Breeze era, which came to an end yesterday. ESPN 1420.com. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Hey, Scott. Uh, obviously, Drew Brees had somewhat of a bad game. Where, where was that pre-Madonna plug Michael Thomas at? I've seen Terrell Owens play with a broken leg pretty much in the Super Bowl, and he, he's targeted four times. The receivers didn't get on the hell. They him, help him one bit. Cook's a joke. I mean, where are the, rece- where are the receivers? I won't call him a plug as you did. Now, I will say that yesterday he was bad. Well, pretty, pretty he, he had, he had a he had he had a bad, very bad game I mean, come yesterday. On, dude. Come on, man! I mean, give me a break. That dude is a is a tool. Yeah, I bet you weren't saying that whenever he caught 149 passes in a season. Now you're caught up in the moment. He was bad. He was bad yesterday. But come on, come on. On that note, let's uh, let's hear from. A classy individual, Demario Davis. Who? I mean, where would the Saints be without this guy the last couple of years? Had nine tackles yesterday, and while Alex Anzalone struggled, I think if you can get an impact linebacker next to Davis, like you had for a short stint when Quan Alexander was there, you unleash him even more. He was speaking to the media after the game. Demario, just um, kind of sum up what this one feels like after going through this the past three seasons as well. Um, losing, losing never gets uh, easier. Um, we just talked about in locker room. You know, what makes it this far is because they've never accepted losing, so it's going to sting. It's going to hurt, um, and it's tough. But you always have to put things in perspective. We're still getting the chance to play the game. You know, we're going to spend the rest of the night worrying, you know, thinking about why we lost the game or what we could have did different. But it's, it's, it's people that's dealing with a lot more tonight. You know, you got parents out there thinking about, you know, whether their ch- child is going to live to see the next day. You got people out there wondering what they're going to eat um, tonight. You know, and so when you put things into perspective, um, we don't have no reason to do anything but keep our head high. 
you know, you got to give give credit to Tampa Bay. They played a phenomenal game, um, and uh, they earned the victory. So um, it's going to hurt. It's, you know, you just got to find a way to uh, shake it off and, and, and rise for the, from the ashes, you know. Um, a big thing I live by is life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And so um, when you get knocked down, the only way you're going to find success is if you get back up. I'll have more from uh, DeMario Davis in a minute, but I, I don't think that uh... – he ever got to he and Tony Roboshu ever met, but I feel like they would get along very good. And uh, it's it's Demario kind of bringing things back down to uh, to earth as well. Uh, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com emails Carl emails. He says Scott, it sounds like you're making an excuse for Michael Thomas. Why would you do that? I'm not making an excuse for him. I just said I'm not going to call him a plug. Are there are there some antics about Michael Thomas? Yes, it's why I call him Christian Bale. And and it would be like if Christian Bale just had three studio-produced movies or two studio-produced movies and summer blockbuster releases that went to the box office and lost a lot of money. The star starts to fade a little bit. I get it. In the moment, there are some antics. I mean, he was suspended for display reasons in Week 5, and he had his worst game as a pro yesterday in the biggest moment when they needed him in a big way. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not. I just. I'm just not going to call him a plug. Guy owns 25 NFL receiving records. NFL league wide, 25. That's not a plug. Now the way what happened this year in terms of missing half the season due to injury, no touchdown catches in the regular season, being suspended for punching a teammate, those kind of antics will eventually get you traded or cut if they continue with that kind of production on the field, but. Those kind of antics whenever you're putting up the numbers he typically puts up when healthy. Saints will put up with it. Does he need to rein it in? Sure. You can't be punching your teammate. I'm not making an excuse, Carl. And in the 7 o'clock hour, I pointed out how bad he was yesterday. I'm just not going to call the guy a pluck. ESPN1420.com um, here's another one. Tony emails. He says, Scott, how many snaps did Michael Thomas play yesterday? 45. 45 snaps. He had 45. Um, I think there were 65 offensive snaps total. So he was off the field for 20 of them. But that was the most snaps by far as, as a receiver. Sanders had 44. Traquan had 35. I think you would have seen Deontay Harris get a little bit more. His impact, you know, remember when I remember when Reggie Bush, we're talking about the Peyton Breeze era, Reggie Bush was a big part of the, 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 the first few chapters of that era. But I remember as a rookie, and the expectations were as high as, like, they could possibly be. I mean, everybody's wanting, you know, expecting Gail Sayers in his prime to be out there. And, and while Reggie had a nice run and he's in the Saints Hall of Fame, he never – lived up to those lofty expectations. He did have an impact, but as a result of the expectations, maybe isn't appreciated as much as as some of the production on the field. That's just part of it. I get it. But I remember his rookie year, people say, why aren't they using Reggie Bush on kickoffs? Why why aren't they letting him return kicks? 
or even Alvin Kamara's years ago because he had a kick return for a touchdown against the Rams at the Coliseum. And, you know, he was back there because they had an injury to the kick return. Why did they put him back there? And Sean Payton, in not so many words, would say, well, you know, too important to the offense. Don't want him to get hurt. Can we, like, use the reverse of that for Deontay Harris now? Can you say, look, don't use him in the offense because he's too valuable in the return game and he and he tends to get hurt in the offense and he has his neck injury occurred when he's playing receiver? That impact in the return game. It's big. It's big. ESPN1420.com. Here's more from Demario Davis. Next one's from Amy Just. Different offensively to the last couple of games that you played him. They did, a, they did a good job of uh, coming at us with a balanced attack. They were able to run the ball effectively on us. Um, they were able to hit us with a couple play action. They did a good job of uh, executing when they got good field position. And so um, you just got to give them credit. They, 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 they played the better overall football game. Next one's from Luke Johnson. Demario, what was this? Uh, what was it like for you navigating this season, just with with everything going on in the world, with playing a playoff game in front of like less than four thousand people, all, all that sort of stuff? How, how tough was it just this season in general? Uh, I wouldn't say it was tough. It was just different. It was a very unique season. Um, I told the guys in the locker room. Uh, most of the time, you know, when you're a part of a, a championship group. You know, as, as many seasons we get to have a chance to play in life, those are the ones you remember. This, I think it's one for the ages. None of us will ever forget this season, no matter if we won it all or uh, came up short like we did. This one was one for the ages. A lot of memories um, just because of the uniqueness of um, this season. And so um, I think, number one, uh, we, we're all blessed to be able to make it through the season all healthy. Um, I think our hearts still have to be with um, people who have lost more, um, lost people and family members and people close to them um, during this uh, world pandemic. And our hearts have to be with those that are on the front lines. Um, just, you know, grateful for them. And so I think you just have to continue to keep it all in perspective. Next one's from Andrew Doak. Mario, could, could you describe um, what Quan Alexander brought to the linebacker core and, and maybe when he got hurt? Was that a concern for you guys going into the playoffs at all? Uh, Quan is a phenomenal player. One of my favorite uh, teammates ever. Uh, plays with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. Um, I think both of us, being Southern boys, Mississippi and Alabama, uh, we think a lot alike. So it was very fun uh, having an opportunity to play with him for those weeks. Um, definitely a blow um, we lost him, but you know it's a next man up league. So. Um, we've been fortunate to have a great group in, our, in the linebacker room. Those next Alex came in and played phenomenal. So, um, you know, it's just just the way it goes. And so um, when your time is, you know, your time comes, you have to be ready. Next one's from Amy Just. Big picture question here. Um, what has Drew Brees meant to you as a teammate since you've uh, been a New Orleans Saint? Um. Everything, you know, he's he's more than than, than what's advertised. Um, Drew is the reason why I came here. Um, when I came to to New Orleans, I wanted to help, you know, Drew Brees win another Super Bowl. He deserves it. 
for for the accomplishments that he's had inside this game. Um, you know, I want him to have some more uh, on the mantle. That 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 was one of the major driving forces of me coming here, and, and it's been the reason I've shown. And so, I mean, he's a great teammate, uh, great leader, great man in the community, great husband, great father. Um, just a you know an example um, for all of us to look to it. Um, and try to emulate. There is Demario Davis. A little bit of post game sound from Alvin Kamara coming up. More your emails. Got questions about the uh, quarterback position in the future for Saints. Deshaun Watson is a possibility, among other things. Uh, some folks already looking ahead to the offseason, about the draft, and uh, some comments about Drew Brees. And even though he hadn't announced it yet, I think we all know that last night after the game, as the Superdome turned the lights off and he's down on the field with his family playing catch, they wouldn't turn the lights back on. guess somebody told them they felt bad. But it was the last scene before the closing credits in the movie about his ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank Show. Be visiting with Rage Occasion Head Basketball Coach Bob Marlin, women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. They're going to begin joining me every Tuesday moving forward for the rest of this basketball season each Tuesday morning and uh, working on maybe bringing on Luke Johnson as well, who uh, is beat writer for the Saints, friend of the program, to kind of put a cap on the season that was uh, working on some other guests later this week as well as we do our best to close the book on the Peyton Breeze era in New Orleans. The next chapter in the Breeze book is television. Got this question earlier uh, in the 7 o'clock hour from a listener. Got another one, this one from Bryce. Says, Scott, what exactly is Drew Breeze's broadcasting role going to be? Bryce, according to reports, he's going to do some uh, color commentary for Notre Dame football and be a studio host for NBC Sunday Night Football. And uh, if 
NBC, if things go well, he would eventually maybe replace Chris Collinsworth. But I don't know that Collinsworth is going to be leaving anytime soon. You know, Al, it really is just a culmination of an entire career. Sorry, it's my Collinsworth impersonation. But yeah, I don't I don't know if it's gonna work. I think NBC is trying to copy CBS and hope that Breeze is like Romo, and I don't I don't know that he will be. I have no idea. Breeze is, you know, football smart for sure, but yeah, we'll see. It's a good thing to segue into. When you're forty two and you just had eleven fractured ribs and a punctured lung, and as we saw yesterday, as hard as it was to watch, he was like that. Fighter late in his career, if you watch some of the all-time great boxers that just hang on, hang on for way too long, and you see him in those final bouts, or even an MMA fighter, and you're just like, this is, I don't want to watch this. You just don't have it anymore. And he just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't. If you missed some of today's show, it's been a good one. We've we've unpacked a lot. It'll be up available for you to listen on demand on the Great Scott Show podcast page via Spotify, Anchor, and other podcast platforms. You can listen to most of my shows after the fact on demand. The interviews as well, if not an entire show, each individual interview. But uh, this morning, the whole show will be up for you a little bit later after I sign off. Preseason D1 baseball rankings. Gosh, baseball's this season is like a little over 30 days away. Florida 1, UCLA 2, Texas Tech 3, followed by Vandy, Louisville, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Texas, and TCU. UC Santa Barbara's 11, LSU comes in 12th. Uh, There are no Sunbelt teams listed in the uh, preseason top 25 D1 baseball rankings. Working on bringing in some interviews as well from some on the uh, UL baseball staff here as we prepare for it. We got plenty of content for you over at ESPN.com and the app. And one story that I wrote last night that might just depress you a little more if you're a Saints fan. But as I wrote about last night, the Saints, this this string of the last four years, and, and particularly when you look at this season, I think in the moment, this season is a failure. In a moment, it's a failure. And I I said it last week, and I said it to Nick Underhill, and I said it to Luke Johnson, and I said it to all of you. I said, listen, if the season ends short of the Super Bowl, in the moment, it will be a failure. As time goes on, as you move on from it, you'll look back at 2020 and say, you know what, they had a good season that year. But every player and everybody in the front office to a man all said it's Super Bowl or bust. Well, yesterday it was a bust. Minus four in the turnover department. Tampa wins by 10. They advance And for the fourth straight year, the Saints season ends in extremely disappointing fashion. And with that loss, the Saints became the first team to win 49 regular season games over a four-year span and not reach a Super Bowl. First team to do it. I don't know if they'll be the last, but that's certainly a list nobody else wants to be on. But Alvin Kamara, after the game, was being very succinct. It's pretty simple. Why you lost? AK, uh, y'all have been uh, so good at taking care of the ball all season long. Um, how uncharacteristic was that for you guys today, in your opinion? Yeah, um, I mean, 
take all the emotion out of it. Um, you turn the ball over four times and the other team turns the ball over zero times, it's not a winning formula. So you can't turn the ball over and, and expect to win, especially not in the playoffs, especially not a, against a good team, you know. Um, so uncharacteristic. Um, it cost us. You know, it sucked. Next one's from Amy Just. Yeah, Drew hasn't announced anything or anything about retirement yet, but how much has he meant to you as a teammate over these past several years? He ain't announced nothing yet, so I ain't going to say that. Drew is Drew. He's still, he's still my teammate. Next one's from Mike Triplett. Mike, you're muted. Sorry. sorry. What, what did Tampa Bay's defense do better or you guys had more trouble uh, doing in this third matchup that they were more effective slowing you guys down? Turn the ball over four times. Can't, can't. That's not a winning formula for any game. I don't care who you're playing. It's just gonna make it tough. Um, you know, we turned it over once. Um, we were still in it. Turned it over twice. Still in it. I mean, once you get to three and four turnovers, I mean, it's hard to combat that. Um, I don't care who you are. So, um, you know, we we've we've done a good job of being pretty pretty uh protective of the ball, and you know. Terrible timing to have those four. Like I said, it sucks, but it is what it is. Next one's from Larry Holder. Alvin, just drew drew aside. Just every team's different each year. I mean, how tough is it when you, you play this hard, you play this well, and there's a finality, and you know you might not be seeing certain guys in the locker room next year. How how hard is that to deal with each year? Um, you know, that's the nature of the, this this league. You know, uh, from from coaches to to equipment staff, to training staff, you know, it changes every year. Um, the, the, the door is always revolving, it's people coming in, people going out. You know, uh, just a random thing. And that door is about to revolve a lot with this daunting offseason ahead. Uh, getting back to the emails, Mike emails. He says, Scott, you asked how we're feeling this morning. One of the phrases you used was summer at peace. That's the way I feel. Playoffs are single elimination. Better team won yesterday. Last year, the Vikings were the better team that day. I saw a post saying yesterday's results made him hate Bill Vinovich more than ever. I relate to that as the non-PI call probably cost the Saints the Super Bowl after 2018. I won't say I hate the man, as he may be a fine person, and my Christian faith calls me to love all. I just regret the incident more than ever today. Some said after the game we would mourn that day for years as you have to have some luck to get there. I slept well last night, but conversation this morning reminded me I did not sleep at all after the Rams game. I do wish Mr. Vinovich himself would address that day. NFL has apologized, but he himself has never discussed that call. Maybe he will once he retires. Sorry for rambling. In summary, I'm at peace this morning and now realize the window really closed after the non-call against the Rams. Mike, thanks for the email, man. I, I don't want to question your peace, but it sounds like you're still dealing with what unfolded a little less than two years ago. Um, I think when folks look back at this four-year stretch by the Saints, that'll obviously be the one. And I think Sean Payton said two years ago after that, you know, I don't think we'll ever get over it. Winning a Super Bowl would have helped, but that's not going to happen. The window closed yesterday, guys. It closed. I don't think the Saints are going to be awful next year. The Saints do have a good defense, but they're going to lose a lot of depth. They're going to lose some key players. They're going to have a new quarterback. It's going to be the beginning of a new era, but one where I don't think that contention window is going to be open. Hope I'm wrong. Don't see it happening. Thanks for listening this morning, everybody.